Is this on? This is on. Hey, why don't you stand up this evening? Come on, let's get to our feet. And Jody, can you just play a little bit? Because, um, you know, I've been a pastor for, um, oh my goodness, my dad was a pastor, right? And so um, he pastored churches in the UK for 45 years. My brother leads a church with his wife. My three sisters lead churches with their husbands and uh, launch multiple campuses. And one of the great things I learned is that services have ebbs and flows, right? And so one moment God is on top and everything's great. And then the notices come and the giving come and it can dim a little bit. And then the word of God comes and usually the pastor has to say something funny to get everyone going again. And, and uh, do you know what I've learned? I've learned God is real. And I've learned God is authentic. And I've learned that hungry hearts attract the spirit of God. And there is no substitute for hunger in his house, right? And so, um, like, one of the things I just want to give testimony to Pastor Mark and Pastor Nina about is that God sows, when we sow, we reap, correct? And so, what we sowed in Redcliffe into uh, Albany Hills to get that vision happening, God sees and he multiplies. And I wasn't going to share any of this until the Holy Spirit just spoke it down there, but... We're pastoring a church called Father's House in Melbourne. And guess what happened to us three years ago? Another church came and wanted to become part of us. Because God sees what you do and he multiplies the faithfulness of his people, right? And so that multiplied in us. And, uh, and then next year, we put our third campus out in the city of Melbourne. And, and uh, God's doing some wonderful things. And what we thought was just connecting on a golf course and listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit was actually God working so much bigger in the principle of sowing and reaping. And so you're blessed, but we are so much more blessed. And so isn't that just a wonderful principle of God's kingdom? And so, hey, why don't we bow our heads right now? Because as we enter Summit this week, I this week, you know, when I came to a wedding on Friday and it was a wonderful wedding. And I quietly came into town because I thought to myself, I'm on holiday. And when I'm on holiday, a pastor's on holiday, you sneak into towns, right? Because you don't want to be asked to preach. And so you want some downtime, you want some relaxing. But I learned two principles. Number one is that you always say yes to Pastor Mark and Pastor Nina. Because they're good people. And you say yes to good people. Number two, you say yes to every opportunity the Holy Spirit brings along. And so we went away and I said to Nick, okay, come on, let's do it. It's going to be awesome. God's going to move. But here's the issue, Holy Spirit. I'm not preaching a sermon I've already prayed, preached. And they've got summit coming up soon. And I want you to give me a word, Lord, to speak into them. So to prep and ready for summit. And so Holy Spirit, right now, we just close our eyes. We lift our hands to you because we are hungry for a move of you. God, we recognize that the atmosphere and the kingdom of God is birthed on an, on an experience of hunger within our hearts. And Lord, we are hungry tonight for you. God, we want to meet you. We want to be real with you. We want to have an authentic experience with you. God, we want to leave this place knowing that we have encountered you, that we are changed and our lives are better for you and, and being in your house. And so Lord, we give you everything this evening. Holy Spirit, we really say you're welcome here. You are a good, good father. You are a good, good father.
Come on, church. You are a good, good Father. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. The name above all names. King of kings. Lord of lords. Holy Spirit, we honor you. We welcome you. We want you to come and anoint your word. We want it to do us good. We want it to be like the finest choice of cutting meat to our souls. Come and nourish us. Come speak to us. Come and just bless us. Pour out your spirit, Lord, we ask in your mighty name. And everybody who was hungry for God said, Amen. 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 Hey, if you weren't ready and you weren't hungry for God, then the Holy Spirit heard your silence. And so get ready because I'm English, right? And uh, at, the, at the Queen's funeral, which we all saw, English people know how to do something really well. And that is pomp. Don't we know how to do something well? Did you see them all marching perfectly in line? English people know how to do things well. But when we throw in the Holy Spirit, that confuses us a little bit. And so I'm ready for the Holy Spirit to come. Are you ready? Come on then, grab your seats. And uh, why don't you say hello to the person next to you. And if you haven't yet, just greet them. Worship team, good job. I'll call you up, Jody, in a bit. That'll be awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, let's get straight into it. I love the Word of God. Anybody love the Bible? Love the Word of God? It's about four people. Anyone love the Word of God? Come on. Get in your Bibles. Turn to Luke 4, 14. And uh, we're going to be looking at um, something in line, very much in line with where God is leading this evening's meeting. And uh, forgive me if I say morning. We're not yet at a place at our church. We have evenings. And so uh, I just say morning all the time. And so if I say even- morning, I mean evening. If I say evening, I mean evening. If I say tomorrow, I'm jet lagged. I'm from Melbourne. Luke 4, it says this. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. Let me tell you, when you move in the power of the Spirit, news is going to spread about you. Church, as you get hold of the power of the Holy Spirit, the news about you is going to spread around to this area. You are going to be contagious for the person of God. Verse 15, he was teaching in their churches and synagogues, and everybody praised him. That is such a key point this evening to recognize that at this point in Luke 4, everybody was praising Jesus because the Spirit was upon him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue as was his custom. Of course, he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where, sorry, he found the place where it is written. I want you to notice, before we just read on to this next bit, and where I felt the Holy Spirit talked to us about bringing uh, to us tonight as a church, was that Jesus, if you've read this before, he specifically brought the attention of everybody who was in the church to this piece of Scripture. If you know your Bible, the book of Isaiah is full of all different themes. The book of Isaiah is full of judgment. The book of Isaiah is full of rebellion. The book of Isaiah is full of faithfulness. Uh, the book of Isaiah is full of renewed world end times. How many of us during COVID had to delete our Facebook accounts because the conspiracy theorists were out and world times, end times was happening and everything else was happening, right? This is the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah has all these themes in, yet Jesus 
read from just one section and then sat down. Let's take a look at what Jesus read because this is key to what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us tonight about. Jesus said this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, amen? And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus, like he was some sort of gangster, rolled up the scroll, sat down, and the scripture says, everyone's eyes were upon him, gazing directly at him. They couldn't believe that in their midst, oh, my voice broke, they couldn't believe. <laughs> they couldn't believe. They, they couldn't believe. They couldn't believe that in the midst of what Jesus chose was a scripture which outlined the power and the person of the Spirit of God resting upon him. Verse 21, he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In your presence, this scripture is fulfilled. Notice verse 22, everything is still going well. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. But uh-oh, here comes the first problem. Isn't this Joe's son, they said. Isn't this Joseph's son? Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do hear in your hometown what you have heard that you, that you did in Capernaum. Verse 24, truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there are many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. We're not bored of reading the word yet, are we? No, there were still widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy, think of it, in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet none of them were cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. Suddenly the crowd shifted. Suddenly the tide has turned. Suddenly somebody who declares the spirit of the Lord is upon them and speaks about three killer spirits that exist, which we're going to look at in this church in which Jesus is speaking to. Suddenly the tide has turned and people are against him. They got up and they drove Jesus out of the town and they took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to buy him a McDonald's. No, in order to throw him off a cliff. But Jesus walked right through the crowd and went on his way. I want you to recognize tonight, as we head into Summit, as we head into what I felt the Holy Spirit speak to uh, me about sharing to you tonight, is that the Spirit of God on a person has a response. When the Spirit of God is present in our lives, whether you are 11 years of age, and by the way, I taught Nick Harmer how to drum. Didn't he do well? He's, he's way better than me. Uh, way better than me. But 
my claim to fame is I taught that guy how to drum. You're welcome. And so when the Spirit of God is, it comes upon somebody, there is a kingdom response to the fruit in our life. And when the Spirit of God comes, here's the kingdom response, if you're note-taking. First of all, when the Spirit of God comes, you preach good news. Jesus said, the Spirit of God is upon me in order and has anointed me to preach good news. You don't preach bad news. You don't preach half news. You don't preach boring news. You preach good news. And the sign of the kingdom of God and the Spirit being upon somebody is they preach Jesus Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, his redeeming goodness over our lives, so that he died, so that we don't have to, so that we have eternal life with him forever, our sins paid, full stop. That is great news, church. That's great news. The second, he proclaimed freedom. Proclaimed freedom. The third, he healed everyone. Gave sight to the blind. He healed everyone. And the fourth was he released strongholds in people's lives. I was in Coles today in North Lakes. Coles. And um, I love Coles. Sorry if you're an Aldi or a Woolworth shopper, but Coles is the way to go. Flybys are amazing. I was in Coles, and uh, I invited, I don't know if she's here, actually, I invited the cashier to Emerge Church tonight. I said, come on, you can come to Emerge Church tonight. I said, you need to come, and you need to hear good news. You need to get healed of things in your body. You need to be freed from oppression in your life. And you need to uh, hear that God has got favor, and he's got goodness over, our, over your life. She said, well, I'll see. And so if she's here tonight, hey, good to see you. Come say hello at the end and come meet the pastors. They're amazing people. But even in the presence, even in the midst of the Spirit being upon Jesus in Luke chapter 4, I want you to recognize tonight that there were three other spirits present in Luke chapter 4, which I felt the Holy Spirit wanted to come and equip us and speak to us about as a church tonight. Here we go. The three killer spirits that were present in Luke chapter 4. And in a moment, in about, because Pastor Mark told me out there, he said, Sunday night, if you come to church Sunday night, it's because you want to be here. He said, so preach as long as you want. And so, so like, whatever. In three hours' time, we're going to have a time where the Holy Spirit's come move. You good? Yeah. No, about 20 minutes' time. And I'm going to get through this because I, I want the Holy Spirit to come and move. Because I believe there's three killer spirits which are operating in church life today, which the Holy Spirit wants to remove. I want to be a person where I can recognize that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Don't you want to belong to a church where people say the Spirit of the living God is upon them? Don't you want to be somebody who's out in your universities or your colleges or your high schools and the people in your teachers recognize there is something different in you and upon you and you testify it's because the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Here we go. Three spirits, three killer spirits, which are in Luke chapter 4 demonstrated to us. Number one, it's the spirit of rejection. The spirit of rejection. Notice in your Bible, if you've got a paper Bible, if you're a real Christian and you've got a paper Bible, right? I'm actually preaching from an iPad, so. In your paper Bible, you will notice, and it's not God-inspired, it's not theologically, we can't get a sermon from it, but you will notice from the top, it says, Jesus was rejected in his hometown. Jesus faces rejection. 
And one of the spirits in Luke chapter 4 is a spirit of rejection. And notice when Jesus was in this passage, he got up and he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And everybody else said, no, isn't this Joseph's son? There was an element of a spirit of rejection which stopped the people of Galilee experiencing a breakthrough of the spirit. In Mark 3.21, we have this funny account and um, Listen, it's got to be a funny account. Anyone who's got siblings will know this is a funny account. i got one brother and three sisters, right? And so, so in Mark 3.21, Jesus is healing people, and he's out doing his ministry, which he said the Spirit of the Lord has equipped him to do, right? And his brothers and his family come along to chop him, to, to stop him, not chop him, to stop him, to stop him because they think he's a madman. They think he's lost his mind. They think there's something about Jesus which is insane because he's healing these people. He's preaching the kingdom of God. What they failed to recognize was that he was a man who the spirit of the living God was upon. Because when the spirit of the living God comes upon you, your family are going to notice. Your friends are going to notice. Church, your community is going to notice. Your schools are going to notice. Your staff rooms are going to notice. Your universities are going to notice. Your high schools are going to notice. But, but, the spirit of rejection comes to rob you. And Jesus, can you imagine if Jesus at this moment of his ministry, allowed rejection to get the better of him. Come on, those who've got siblings in here. Come on, you know. You know. Imagine you were rejected and you suddenly went, well, stuff you. Get lost to you then. I'm going to go to some people who actually like me. Get lost. But the spirit of rejection, if we're not careful, we allow the spirit of rejection to come into our lives and it impacts the, the uh, atmosphere for God to come and move. And here's why. Let me show you. The spirit of rejection, and that can be anything, by the way. So the spirit of rejection can be a relationship breakup. It can be a, a parental rejection. It can be a ministry rejection. Hey, people even get hurt by churches, right? Not in this church. This church is perfect. But, but in church, like, people get hurt. Amen. People get hurt by all, by, by all sorts of rejections. You got rejection in your life. I've had rejection in my life. But at this point in Jesus' ministry, he showed us what it was to overcome the spirit of rejection. And he had to overcome the spirit of rejection. And you and I have to overcome the spirit of rejection because the spirit of rejection impacts the three key fruit of the spirit. Now, we know the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We know those fruit, right? Your pastor operates in all of them. And so he's just amazing. He's got it all sorted, right? And Pastor Mark's pretty good as well. And so... <laughs> like the fruit of the Spirit, amen? Amen? But inside the fruit of the Spirit, there are three key fruit. Love, love, joy, and peace. Love, joy, and peace. They're all equal, but love, joy, and peace have a bigger impact upon what we call sonship into the kingdom of God. And so when we have a spirit of rejection, what often happens is we have a struggle in the concept of belonging. 
We struggle to believe that we actually can belong into God's kingdom. Somehow, we want to try and justify why God would even want to love us. But tonight, we've got to understand God loves you, warts and all. God's goodness is for us, even in our mistakes. It is by His grace and His grace alone that we are saved. Amen? But the spirit of rejection will make us battle amongst this one true powerful concept. And this one true powerful concept is this. Satan doesn't want you to know it. Satan wants you to not believe it. Satan wants you to forget it. He wants it erased from the language of the church. And that is this, that you and I are a child of God. That you and I are a child of God. We are children of God. And by that, what does that mean? That means that we are bought, the moment we give our lives to Jesus, we are bought into the inheritance of Christ, which makes us a co-heir with Christ. And check this, we are adopted as sonship into his kingdom. And so as we are adopted into his sonship, into his kingdom, we are adopted into the cultures of the spirit of God. And so when the Spirit of God is upon Jesus, those cultures were this. Preach the good news, proclaim freedom, release healing, and release freedom into people's lives. When you are a co-heir adopted into sonship in the kingdom of God, let me tell you, church, the goal is, is that we preach the good news, we proclaim freedom, we release healing, and release freedom into people's lives. God is doing something in our nation. Do you know that? You should hear the stuff that's happening in Victoria, in some of the key churches. I got a text today from my assistant pastor who texted me and said, the spirit of God was so powerful, it went way on and ran into our Burmese service. So we have a Burmese service, right? And ran well into them. It said, this lady came in for the very first time into church and was instantly healed from a back condition, which, which she'd had. First time she's ever been into a church, first time she's ever had hands laid on her, and she goes down in the spirit and God heals her. Why? Because we are creating a culture and God is moving where we are, we are a church is together seeking that the spirit of the living God is upon us. But the spirit of rejection erases us. It leaves us joyless, loveless, and constantly striving for peace within our lives. Jesus noticed this. Jesus turned deliberately to the part of Isaiah when he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. How many of us know Jesus planned everything he said from the beginning? He had all of time. He never started. He had all of time to plan what he had to say. Why did Jesus turn into this area here? Why didn't Jesus stop when he was rejected by his own people? Why didn't Jesus fall down and say, oh, come on, love me. I'm not too bad of a guy. I'm all right. Like, like you will crucify me later, but love me now, right? I mean, in the first year of my ministry, love me now. Like, come on, you can do that later. Like, why didn't Jesus quit right then? Because Jesus recognized that when you become part of God's kingdom and the spirit of this living God is upon you and the mandate for what God has called his kingdom to be, which is a growing, healing, releasing kingdom, he recognized that you have to overcome rejection. And Hebrews 11 tells us that we have a high priest who has been tempted in every way that we have, yet has overcome rejection. 
He's overcome the spirit of rejection. And so if you in this place tonight have a spirit of rejection or there's been rejection in your life, then guess what? You're in the great place. Because tonight we're going to recognize and deal with the spirit of rejection and allow the spirit of the sovereign Lord to come upon you. Sound good? The spirit of rejection operates by moving you into isolation. Unable to step into God's inheritance. Unable to break through in your relationship with God. Unable to take ground. Unable to forgive. Unable to move on. But Jesus... He never lived in the spirit of rejection. He moved into dictating what spirit was upon him. Did you notice Jesus? He didn't say the spirit of Geelong cats. Shout out to anyone? No, no. I'm a soccer boy. No one cares about it. I am the only person in Melbourne who doesn't watch AFL. And so Jesus didn't say the spirit of something else. He said the spirit Jesus chose and he dictated and he spoke out what spirit was upon him. Because he realized that there is power in dictating and speaking out the spirit that is upon him. And so tonight, we're going to get some ministry time and have the opportunity to speak out the spirit of the sovereign Lord upon our lives. Here we go. Number two. Number two of the killer spirits that was present in Luke 4 is this. The spirit of assumption. The spirit of assumption. We're going to speak into what it is to assume and to have the spirit of assumption. Do you know, the theologian, Google, said, <laughs> come on, let's be honest. Let's have a real moment. Most of us go to Google to check a scripture, right? We think, oh, we know it's somewhere, right? We think somewhere. We, oh, it's somewhere. Oh, it's something about God blessing me more than anything else I could imagine. Like, where is that? Something about that. Something about, like, that, that God wants me to buy a PS5. Something... Something. So we Google it, right? Google becomes our theology. Come on. The Word of God needs to be more powerful, and it needs to be more valuable than Google, right? Let's, let's determine together to love the Word of God. But Google, because it's not from the Bible, says this about assumption. Something that is accepted as true or certain to happen, but it's false, or often falsely. In verse 22 of Luke 4, Jesus had a spirit of assumption come up against him. And the spirit of assumption was this. Isn't this, check it out, Luke 4, 22. It says, isn't this Joseph's son? Have you ever met somebody with a spirit of assumption? They assume everything. They assume the bad. They rarely assume the good. I am yet really to meet anybody who assumes anything good. Oh, I, I just assume I'm going to win the lottery today. I just assume my boss is going to love me today. I just assume that I'm going to get an A at the exam and I don't have to do any, any work. And so I'm just going to assume it. Like, that person is an idiot. And so, like, usually when we assume... <laughs> can I say idiot? I can. Usually when we assume things, right, it's in a negative context. And so in this context, they assumed that the Son of God... Can you imagine being these people? They assumed that God incarnate, God in flesh, God in person was just Joseph's son and somehow he was a 
a, a bag full of, you know, it was a few wires loose and, and he sort of knew some stuff, but, but he wasn't a full bag of shopping. Like, like something had gone wrong with his upbringing compared to Jesus' stepbrothers and steps. Like something had gone wrong. He wasn't on level and, you know, he was just a little out there. They assumed and they said, isn't this Joseph's son? The problem with assumption is this, is when the spirit of assumption is on us, it limits God's ability to move. And the reason it limits God's ability to move is because it extinguishes faith because it's based on previous experiences of what we've already seen becoming reality. And so what happens is this, and let's have a moment that's real right now. Like, you've booked into Summit, yeah? All of you have booked into Summit. Praise the Lord. Come on, right? But the spirit of assumption will say things like this. I will just turn up to Summit and see what happens. It will just be like last year's Summit because I was there at it. It will be good, but this will happen. The same speakers will happen. The thing will happen. God will move, and it will just happen because the spirit of assumption kills the faith that is needed in order to generate a move of God and so we create assumptions in church life and in our own life you've done it tonight and so I go on this journey I know you do because I popped into the prayer meeting beforehand uh, and and saw it happening and and this church is a healthy church right and healthy things grow and so that's awesome you're growing you're doing great things and so, like, I popped in, and, and there are hungry people praying, praying and moving in God. But, but when, when assumption is present, we often just attend church. Because let's just go tonight and see what happens. Let's just check it out. But when was the last time that you actually attended church and came with a spirit of expectation? When was the last time that you actually spent some time fasting and praying for God to move in your Sunday night meetings? When was the last time that you actually brought a friend to church? Well, if I bring a friend to church, they're going to think it's weird, man. And someone's going to pray on them and someone's going to shabba-dabba-ding-dong. And, and, and they're going to see people falling over. And it's going to be odd. Assumption. Right there, you've made an assumption which kills the atmosphere of faith in a room. And the people in Galilee were so close to God. They were so close to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, yet their assumption, this is just Joseph's son, resulted in them losing out on the incredible, miraculous moment with Jesus, which eternity would have spoken and read about. There are sermons which should have been preached from Luke 4. There are churches that should have been planted on the back of Luke 4. There are people who should have been life-changing encounters on the back of Luke 4. But do you know what history tells? History tells that the spirit of rejection and the spirit of assumption stopped God moving in their midst. Assumption sets the expectation bar for the move of God in our rooms, in our houses, in our families, in our high schools, in our cold supermarket shop. What happens if I ask her to church? What if she says no? She'll go mad at me. She'll hate me. Do you know what she said? She went, thanks for inviting me. I went, no, no problem. Like, 
and walked away. And that was it. She didn't, she didn't shout at me. She didn't say, what a weirdo. She didn't say, oh, what a Christian, like, headbanger, whatever he is. Like, like, like oh, get away from me. Ah. My wife went into, wait, what shop did you go into? Where were you? In where? Just jeans. She went into just jeans. She invited the cashier, and the cashier walked away from her. So you can see where the anointing rests between the two of us, right? And so, so like, but assumption, assumption, right? Because, and I joke, right, but, but we're people who really believe in the power of an invite. People who believe in the power of an invite. God is moving, and God has created his church for people to reach the world. And the world needs inviting to church, Amen. And so, so, but, but assumption sets the expectation bar for God to move. Do you know, a spirit of assumption, it produces frustration. But the spirit of God produces miracles. In Mark 9, we have this great account. Let me show you something from Scripture about the spirit of assumption. In Mark 9, Jesus heals a boy who, uh, from an impure spirit. This is Jesus' 27th miracle. Before Jesus heals this boy, Jesus has fed the 5,000. Put some context on it. Jesus fed the 5,000. He's cast the demons into the pigs. He's healed the man's hand on the Sabbath, which was, which was crippled. He'd, done, uh, he'd healed the woman who touched the hem. He'd, he'd helped uh, the, the invalid at the, at the well to, uh, and prayed over and healed. If you've seen The Chosen, that's an amazing scene on The Chosen. Like Jesus has done all these miracles. This is Jesus' 27th recorded miracle, right? The disciples journeyed with Jesus throughout these miracles. They saw it. But in Mark chapter 9, a man brings a boy to Jesus' disciples. And Jesus rocks up four verses later and he says, what is going on here? You are all arguing. Because the spirit of assumption was upon those people who bought, the Pharisees, the people who bought the boy to the disciples because they assumed that God would do something the same which he's always done. And so Jesus rocks up and he says, what's the problem? You're all arguing about something. He says, bring the boy to me. And he casts the impure spirit out. He heals the boy because assumption was present. And the disciples and those who brought the boy to the, to the disciples assumed God was in the business of doing things that are the same. But have a look at this. The third spirit that was present in Luke 4 is the spirit of comparison. The spirit of comparison. Because in verse 23, Luke 4, I wonder if the worship team could jump up. In verse 23, and this is what I really felt the Holy Spirit impress on my heart for Emerge Church. In verse 23, the people of Galilee said this to Jesus. Do amongst us in your hometown what we have heard you did in Capernaum. That's what they said. In other words, they'd heard God move in another church down the road and they wanted to repeat what was going on there instead of finding and having and releasing the Spirit of God to find the blueprint and the mandate over their lives. Do you know the Spirit of comparison, you may have the spirit of comparison in your own life. The spirit of our world today in which we live is the spirit of comparison. If you don't believe me, ask yourself, why do you go on Instagram? 
I'm a big Instagrammer. I'm not a big Instagrammer. I am. I'm over 40, which means I post once a year. It makes me big. But, but the fuel of Instagram is comparison, right? That's, that's the reason it exists. We want to compare ourselves to the highlights of people's lives. We want to compare ourselves to the highlight reels of other people's lives. And the third principle, the third spirit, which kills the church, and the church is us, right? Church is the people, it's not the bill, so it kills us. The third spirit that exists, and it's deadly in our lives, it robs us, it kills us, and it stopped history being wrote for this church in Galilee, these people in Galilee. It was the spirit of comparison because they failed to realize that God has a blueprint and a mandate that is specific for you that is specific for you as a church, and it's specific for you as an individual. And the spirit of the sovereign Lord was upon Jesus because the mandate in which the culture of the kingdom of God was given to Jesus and then given to us as the New Testament church, Christ living in us, the hope of all glory, was to preach the gospel, heal the sick, free, freedom for, for those who need it, and to release the captives. But the spirit of comparison opens up a heart of envy. And so you may be in this room tonight and you may be in this place and you're thinking to yourself, I am constantly comparing myself to somebody else. If only I had their house, if only I had their car, if only my kids went to their school, if only my business was as successful as their business, if only our church had a summit like that church, if only we were like this, if only we had that, if only they had this, if only my kids did this, if only I... The problem is with that is you're going down a rabbit hole that's never ending. Because the killer spirit in Luke chapter 4 upon the church in Galilee, which wasn't even a church, it was people. Like upon the people in Galilee, Jesus' hometown, was that they, they, they failed to recognize that in the midst of their presence was a blueprint that God wanted to come and do something incredible about. All they were concerned about was we've heard something somewhere else, come and do that. We're happy with that. But how many of us know tonight that God is not a God who is stale? God is a God who's fresh. God is a God who's unique. God is a God whose mercies are new every single day. God is a God who has spent all of his story, which is why we call it history, his story. God has spent all of his story designing you, your life, this church. And he has wonderful plans for it. The people of Galilee, they had no vision. Maybe you've got no vision tonight. Maybe the comparison spirit has been upon you. Maybe you always feel like you're just, I just, I just not enough. I just can't get there. It's just, it's just never coming true. It's just never happening for me. The people of Galilee, they had no vision for Jesus to do something amongst them that was fresh and real. They just wanted what the church down the road wanted. But, don't you love buts in Scripture? But, Jesus said this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Do you know the spirit of the sovereign Lord, church, is a spirit of freshness. It's a spirit of freshness. If you need new vision tonight, it's a spirit of vision. It's a spirit of pioneering. It's a spirit of breakthrough. It's a spirit of ground-taking moves of God that are planned upon the Father's heart. The Holy Spirit 
It is, is a spirit that aligns you to kingdom values. It's a spirit of legacy. It's a spirit of impact. It's a spirit of advancement. It's a spirit of growth. It's a spirit of unique, God-given purpose and plan for every single person's life. We often know Jeremiah 29, don't we? For I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope, a future, plans to give you purpose. But the spirit of the sovereign Lord is an individual, faith-building, kingdom-shaking, community-changing spirit. And church, today, our world needs it. Our world needs people who are not consumed with rejection, who are not consumed with assumptions, because assumptions bring down the level of faith in our lives, and who are not consumed with comparison, living the life they wish they had, but instead are people who recognize what it is to have the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord upon them, because when the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us, it changes the concept and the cultures and the kingdom of who we are. Let me challenge you on this question tonight. What is God speaking to you about tonight, about the spirit that is upon your life? Are you striving for the blueprint of the kingdom of God? Are you preaching the gospel or is that the pastor's job? Did Jesus say the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon your pastor because he's anointed the pastor to preach good news, to heal the sick? No. He said the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And now, as the New Testament church, and by the way, read the Old Testament. It, it tells you all about the forthcoming of Jesus, right? right? Read it. But every single prophet, every single, every single prophet, prophetess, whatever, in Scripture, they all would have given anything to recognize what you and I have right now, that Christ in us is the hope of all glory. And so when Jesus said the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, he's telling us the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon those who are co-heirs and sonship into the kingdom of God who have overcome the spirit of rejection. And so, are we people tonight? Are we a church? Are we individuals who are striving for the spirit of the sovereign Lord to be upon us? Do you know, I believe tonight the Holy Spirit wants to breathe new vision and direction into people's lives. And this isn't necessarily just about rejection, right? This isn't necessarily about assumption. No one's going to say, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I got that issue in my life, right? This is about people who recognize that the Holy Spirit has spoken to them tonight about the spirit of the sovereign Lord. Church, we need to be people in our world today who are recognized because the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. So one of the things we've done in our church back in Melbourne is we've released our vision statement for 2023 already because God's doing some great things. And we haven't even got to the end of 2022 and God's doing some wonderful things down in Melbourne. It's amazing. But our vision statement comes from 1 Corinthians 2.9 and it says this, what no eye has seen and what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And so I've spoke to our church and continuing to speak to our church that this, our vision as a church for 2023 is this, greater eyes, greater ears, greater mind. That no ear has seen, no ear has heard, 
and no mind has conceived the things that God has got in store for a church where the spirit of the living God is upon them. And so, hey, would you bow your heads with me right now? And the worship team are going to sing in a little moment and they're going to sing a song and just come and minister some moments to us. And we're going to have a time. We're going to just lay some hands and pray for some people. And that's going to be fantastic, right? But hey, before we do it, why don't we let faith arise? Come on. Let's let some faith arise in this house. Where's the spirit resting upon you? Is there a spirit of rejection? Is there a spirit of assumption which has sapped the faith out of your life? Have you assumed that you will always be sick? Have you assumed that the prodigal will always be away? Have you assumed that the the level of what you're going to attain in ministry has been reached? Have you assumed that you've reached the pinnacle of where God wants you to go? Let's shift assumptions in this place right now. Have we assumed we've only got 40 minutes in front of us? Have we assumed tonight we're going to be in bed for half nine? (laughs) Or are we allowing God to come and move by His Spirit? Are we allowing God to come and just shake things up? Because the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, church, ah, it is a fresh spirit. It is a beautiful spirit. It is a life-changing, kingdom-growing, advancing spirit that shifts everything else around. In a minute, we're going to sing a song. And do you know what? I opened up this morning, this evening's meeting there, did it? I opened up this evening's meeting and I said, Lord, allow us to have a real moment, a real moment, a real encounter with you, Holy Spirit. Because in this post-pandemic world, people need churches where the spirit of the living God is upon them. They don't need entertainment. They don't need great coffee. They don't even need lights and jazz and, and, and all that. It's all good. They don't need it. What they need to encounter is churches which the spirit of the living God rests upon. Thank you.